Welcome to episode 14 of Crossroads of Destiny, an Avatar The Last Airbender universe podcast. Right now, we're talking about every episode of Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender, one at a time. I am Chad Hopkins, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Andrew and Melanie Grant. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, Chad. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad to be recording at your new place. Yes, we have moved. We've moved, and... We're back to recording regularly, and we're looking forward to having our audience hopefully grow because of that regularity. In our last episode, we did talk about the upcoming premiere of the official Avatar podcast, which is called Avatar Braving the Elements. It's hosted by Janet Varney, and I've since learned that it's Dante Bosco. It's, it's spelled Basco, but it's pronounced Bosco. So I'm glad to be able to pronounce that correctly now. And I don't know if you guys have listened, but it's a pretty fun show. Oh, I haven't. I really want to, though. Yeah, it's entertaining. And what I like about it is it's a little bit less behind the scenes as Mm -hmm. like Office Ladies and Office Deep Dive are. (laughs) I was editing that clip talking about the Office Ladies and how they they are attacking me. (laughs) Your conspiracy theory. (laughs) Anyways. It's a little bit less behind the scenes. There, there certainly is some elements of that. But what I think is cool about it is that they, despite being in the shows, weren't necessarily the biggest fans of the shows. Like they don't have the deep knowledge that maybe mm. Angela Kinsey and Pam, or not Pam, Jenna Fisher have of The Office. This is them exploring the show themselves and sort of right. actually doing what we're doing, where they're, they're watching through for the first time as a fan rather than as a person who was a part of it. And so they're doing the same kind of analysis that we're doing, which I think is a really cool and interesting approach. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously we do because yeah. Yeah. we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in like their second episode, they do have an interview second and third episode an interview with the creators of the show that's really really interesting and enlightening and they 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 don't talk a whole lot about the upcoming avatar studios productions except that they're working on it and they're excited about it and they have the full support of nickelodeon behind it and so that's always reassuring as well but uh there have been several episodes so far it's been going since mid-june and uh i highly recommend everybody check it out so with that we're going to go ahead and jump into our episode discussion we are talking about book one chapter 15 Bateau of the Water Tribe. It was directed by Giancarlo Volpe. It was written by Ian Wilcox and aired on October 7th of 2005. And the animation was done by DR Movie. As they continue to make their way to the Northern Water Tribe with Aang, Katara and Sokka come into contact with an old friend, Bato, who set out to fight in the war with their father more than two years ago. Aang worries that his friends will choose going with Bato and their father over continuing their journey with him. So right off the bat, are there any surface level things that we wanted to talk about? Any funny moments that stood out to you? Things that made you chuckle? Anybody? Are you going to talk about Iroh? (laughs) Iroh, this whole episode was the thirst with him was so real. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what about him? I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, He's got a little bit of a crush on June, it seems. (laughs) Dirty old man. (laughs) I mean, I don't. Oh. It's it's a little weird, but I wouldn't call it creepy. He's not being like no, rapey or anything. Just... But <laughs> I, he's he's a single dude in his old age, and yeah. she's a pretty girl. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyways, yeah. There's that. Uh, there was a couple of flashbacks to other episodes. There was the the blue spirit flashback where the the Shershu went by the the old lady with the apothecary, right. and she's like, "My Yuki, did you get in trouble with the Fire Nation again?" <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and then you see it uh, go through the fortune tellers. Yeah, yeah. It's like basically like they're catching up everywhere that they've traveled over the past 15 episodes. Right, right. And in that particular moment, I love that Aunt Wu is trying to hit on Uncle. And she's like, hey, you, wanna, you want your fortune read handsome? <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, at my age, there's only one big surprise left. And I'd just as soon keep it <laughs> a surprise. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor guy. He's really sweet. I, I like that. He's like, you know. I've, I've lived a happy life and what comes next comes next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really good it's, outlook. It's a very staple kind of. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was just sort of like lighthearted, fun. Fluffy. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. We, we always have the moments with our, our animal friends. Well, yeah. We got some really good action from Appa, Appa in yeah. this episode. Appa. Yeah. Appa it's pretty awesome. Angry. Yeah. It was pretty great. Appa doesn't play. So right off the bat, we see some of Sokka's training and observational prowess as he tracks the signs from a battle. Like he finds the arrowhead and he's like, this has been burned. And he's able to to use the clues of the area to be like, you know what? Our father was here. And I love the hope that he has in his voice when he says, dad was here. Like he just announces officially they find all the evidence. And he says, dad was here. And he's so certain of it. And we believe him. Because of his certainty and the hope in his voice. Yeah. I'm actually kind of glad that there's that certainty that you're talking about, that his father isn't dead, that Mm -hmm. there's still evidence that he's very well and alive and is still doing his quest that he set off to do. Yeah, you would think that because all this evidence is still there to be unearthed, that it hasn't been too long of a time since his father was in this area. Right. And it turns out, he wasn't. wasn't yeah. It wasn't too long. Uh, they come across Bato, who was a friend of their father's. Uh, by the way, we learned his father's name was was Hakoda, so it's nice to have a name. And Bato is voiced by actor Richard McGonagall, who plays Sully in the Uncharted video game series, which is near and dear to my heart. So I really like the warmth that Bato shows for Katara and Sokka. And it's not so nice for them, having been lonely all this time, to have been separated from their father all this time, to finally have a father-like figure back in their lives who is familiar. I think that that feeling of home is kind of translated through whenever Bato first comes onto the scene and then they go to his hut and they see all of the things from their home that he has in this hut. So like the the animal pelts and the food that the, the dry are, the sea, sea prunes. or stewed sea prunes. Yeah. yeah. So all of those little moments, I think it was kind of a nostalgic moment for them. And I think that helped a mm-hmm. lot. And yeah. that he didn't bat an eye when they were like, "Oh, look at all this stuff," and he was just like, "Help yourself." Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a there there wasn't a beat or anything like that. It was just now that my family is here again, come join me and and, and take what you need. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's that was really good for Sokka and Katara to have, to that, have. Yeah. and to have that connection so far from home. I think mm-hmm. it helped. I think for them, unfortunately, for Sokka and Katara to have this little slice of home away from home. Aang feels really left out really quickly. I wouldn't necessarily call it jealousy because to me it was more a sadness because he thinks, oh, they found their real family and so they're going to leave me to go be with their family. And it's not something he's angry necessarily about. I don't think he's jealous. It's just like, well, I mean, if I was them, I'd go with my family too. And so he's he's mourning the loss of his friends preemptively. Right. Right. I was about to disagree with you, but then I I realized that they had family in the South Pole, but obviously their father wasn't Mm -hmm. there. So they were were more easy to leave the South Pole 
because wherever Aang went, it was going to be closer to their father. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, at some point you would, you feel like if they cross that path again, that Sokka and Katara would just be like, Oh, hi. And rejoin the kind of satellite tribe. Right. That's, that's already away from the South Pole. Yeah, down in the Southern Water Tribe village where they were living, they only had Grand Grand, who was their family. They'd lost their mother to the Fire Nation. Right. So their father was their only like direct family that was left. And so to, to be journeying with Aang is to, to be chasing that connection and sort of pursuing the same goal that their father set out to pursue in the first place. So we get word that... Bato is expecting a message from mm-hmm. Hakoda any day now, and it's going to come with instructions to find a rendezvous point where they can meet up with the rest of the, the water tribe. See, Bato had gotten injured in a battle, and that's why he'd been left behind. That's what the message is for, is so he can reconnect with his tribe. And Aang so happens to be out on a lonely walk up in his fields, and the guy comes up and says, hey, here's this message for Bato. Can you deliver it for him? And Aang's like, sure thing. And he crumbles it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on Aang's thoughts there. It's such a juvenile move. And I think that's just more evidence to the, the fact that he's a 12-year-old boy, and that is a 12-year-old boy move. I use the same thought process in my notes i I use i even might have used the word juvenile i'm not sure but did you ever think there was a scenario in which ang wasn't going to give the map to katara and Sokka? well no he would no i don't know are you saying like eventually he would come around to doing it i I don't know i think for a minute he wasn't going to yeah because he actually tries to get rid of it and then the nun is like why are you littering? Well, I don't, I think that it just fell out of his shirt. Oh, is that what that? Yeah, okay. I think, I think that's all it was. I, so the thing is, Ang was by the ocean when the, the map was delivered to him. Right. And it would have been too easy for him to crumble it up and toss it in the ocean. And that's the end of that. They're never going to see their father again because mm-hmm. they need to travel with me because I'm the avatar. I don't think he's necessarily that big headed about it, but, right. but that's, that's one way he could have approached that situation. Instead, he crumbles it up, and yes, it's juvenile, but he doesn't discard it. He puts it in his jacket or his shirt pocket. I don't know how his clothes work. <laughs> <laughs> he tucks it somewhere. Magically disappears and stays there. <laughs> and yes, they go through the ordeal the next day, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. And he presents it to them. Hey, I have this. And it's such a juvenile thing to do, but I never thought there was a situation that would come where he wouldn't disclose that information. But then on the other side of the, well, not the other side of the coin, but Sokka and Katara's reaction is also very juvenile, yeah. I think, to that information. Explosive, Sok- like immediately turn on him. Like, what the heck, man? Yeah, Sokka's like, you had it this whole time? And he's like, I'm like, hold up. This whole time was like 12 hours ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Take this, a breath, Sokka. Take it hasn't been weeks. Yeah. It hasn't yeah, been yeah, days. Yeah. It's been yeah. a matter of hours since Went he got this message. Yeah. 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 So the the way they blow up at Aang about this and they're like, oh, well, we're going to go with Batu and we're going to find our father. as well. Right. And the whole ending of the episode, once they've gone through everything that they've gone through, there's no apology. Mm-mm. Aang's not like, I'm sorry, I was a jerk. I, I, I mm. never should have hidden this from you. And Katara and Sokka are never like, 
uh, yeah, we overreacted. I'm sorry. There's none of that. It's because they all know that they're kids and that they behaved like kids right. and they're past it. Huh. They think- know that their mission is greater than yeah. their feelings. And their feelings weren't even that strong to begin with. It was just a reaction because they're kids. Right. And I think both reactions were were to simply to delay. There wasn't ever a, like a a finality about it. And and I think that's what you're, you were getting at earlier is that Aang didn't destroy the note. And then in the same vein, I don't think Sokka and Katara would ever completely leave Aang. Mm -hmm. And so both of them just kind of delayed things. Mm -hmm. And that was their way of feeling like they had that control that with that reaction. So no, I don't think Aang would have, would have ever not given it to them. But I also, when Sokka and Katara left, I was just like, okay, we'll see you in a little bit. Like there was no way that they were actually going to separate the party. And then when they got back together, I think there's already this unspoken, like, we know what we need to do. That Mm -hmm. was water under the bridge. We don't have to worry about that anymore because we're together now with one goal in mind. And that's what, that's what this was all about in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the first time Bato tells this information to Sokka and Katara that this message is coming, that they're going to be able to rendezvous with their father. That's all Aang hears before he walks out. But then Katara and Sokka say, but we can't. We have to help Aang get to the Northern Water Tribe. We have to help him on his journey. And I love their resolve in staying dedicated to Aang, even if they do have that tantrum later where, oh, no, we're not going to stay with him. We're going to chase No, they, they have always dedicated themselves to Aang. From episode two, they've called Aang their family. Well, it's episode three, technically, when they're at the Air Temple right. and Aang's in the Avatar state from such an emotional turmoil well, finding Gyatso's now. body. And so I love how they've sort of adopted Aang into the water tribe. Mm-hmm. The other major thing we get with them before Uncle and Zuko get all interspersed into this is the ice dodging. What, oh, what did y'all think about the ice dodging that stuff? That was kind of cool. I, I love that that was something that Sokka was able to finally experience because when his dad left, he was too young to be able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a rite of passage in order for him to be considered a man into the tribe. Right. So that might have been something that he didn't think he was ever going to really get to partake in because of their situation. And so I think that was kind of awesome for Bako to be able to bring that for him. And the fact that he... Also included Katara and Aang. I think that was really like a sweet moment that he included everybody. Not, I guess he understood how kids feel. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the soul-crushing moment when he dubbed Aang the trusted one. Mm-hmm. That was good. Aang alive. Yeah, you instantly like saw already. his face drop mm-hmm. into like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, I can't be trusted. But the, the actual ice dodging itself... My first thought was, this is so much more intense than ice dodging. Like, right. the consequences are much greater <laughs> in this instance. Oh, because of I the land like, where they are? Well, they're, they're dodging they're rocks. rocks. Yeah. I've, yeah. And, uh, I feel like ice... There's probably a little bit more give to yeah, it. just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and th- this boat that they're in is the one that Bato went ice dodging. So it's like an ancient... Uh, ancient is unfair. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Bato. Dang. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's uh, it's older. It's been around. Bato was a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) He's super old. 
But anyways, it's been in Bato's life for a long time. Right. And I thought that showed a lot of trust that Bato had in Sokka because mm-hmm. he was just like, well, I can't help you if we're going right. to do this legit. And so good luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck. And I think something that shows how much Sokka has grown is that after they've gotten past the initial obstacles and it's like, yay, we did it. Sokka's like, okay, let's make it level 10. Yeah. Like, let's go into let's, hard mode. Let's crank it up. And he, it was too easy. he says, okay, I need you guys to bend. Yeah. And that is not something that Sokka has traditionally turned to oh, in times true. of hope. He, he says, Aang, put air into the sails. Katara, bend water under the boat. We're going to get over this thing. And that's something that is entirely new for the water tribe in general i would assume Mm -hmm. it's not like they had an airbender at their disposal it's not like they had these rocks to overcome sako was innovating in the moment and utilizing the tools that he had at hand and so i really love what this episode shows for Sokka's growth since the start of the series. It's almost like a breakthrough for Sokka. yeah because in episode one he was like when you always play with magic water i always get wet Mm. and this is just a complete not a complete turnaround necessarily, but he's utilizing. He's accepting that. Yeah. More of an acceptance of yeah. it. That's right. awesome. And it's showing that I can't do this by myself. Mm, which is something that he was kind of notoriously known mm-hmm. for. And then the last growth moment, I think, for Sokka is that after they've had their tantrum and they've left with Bato, they hear a wolf howling as they're walking through the trees. Mm. Mm. And Sokka says, well, it's probably injured. And Bato says, no, he's separated from the pack. I know that feeling. And Sokka, we have two flashbacks, actually, to young Sokka. Yeah. One when, well, when, when their father and Bato first left, and he right. wanted to go with them. He's dressed in his warrior garb, and he's like, I want to go with you. I want to help. But their father says this really great quote. He says, being a man is knowing where you're needed the most. And Sokka has that quote come full circle when he's, he, he realizes, yeah, Bato's separated from the pack. I was separated from the pack. And here we've gone and we've separated Aang from the pack. Mm-hmm. And right. being a man is being where I'm needed most. And where I'm needed most right now, where we're needed most right now is to help Aang. And that's Sokka that comes to that realization. Sokka, who in episode two was saying, banishing Aang from the tribe, he was saying, we can't do this, we can't go. And here he is saying, it's our duty. We, we've dedicated ourselves to this Aang as our family. We can't let him be separated. So this is a total growth episode for Sokka. I think this is mm-hmm. pretty Sokka-oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really, cool. really great. Yeah, no, and it's actually pretty subtle, yeah, too. It's it, like, you are you know, the story's progressing, but you're not always like, oh, it's Sokka, oh, it's Sokka, oh, it's Sokka. Like, we get the, a lot of, of those episodes, like episodes that are focused on specific sub characters you see them literally all the time and you're like oh this is obviously about you mm-hmm. and i didn't make any of those connections mm-hmm. until you started listing it like that that's kind of cool mm-hmm. and, and we don't and get those very often no I, I really love it and i love that bato was there today in this episode to, to be the father figure that had been absent from Sokka's life to tell him that he's on the right path mm-hmm. to tell him that his dad would be proud of him and that he's like his father that's that's really, as a son, that's really powerful. Say, yeah. Like that has to hit home for you guys more than I mean, me. I don't always want to be exactly like my dad, but to, to be told I'm on the right path and to, to be told I share these admirable the qualities, qualities that my yeah. father has, that, that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine what it means to Sokka. And I, I love that Bato was there to provide that for him. Guys. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I think it's important that Sokka kind of, 
checked himself a little bit and he realized where where he was needed and that was going to be with the avatar making sure that he got where he needed to go and keeping his word and uh, yeah and being there because he said that he was going to Mm -hmm. so that's enough on them for now We've mentioned Uncle and we've mentioned Zuko. This is the first we've heard from Zuko since the Blue Spirit episode, two or three episodes back. Uncle Iroh is in great spirits. He's impressed by June, the bounty hunter that they've they come across. Very impressed. Yeah, very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and he laughs at her insults. He's got a great sense of humor about him. She calls them angry boy and uncle lazy. And when she finds a music. Yeah, I think that's the yeah, most he, he loves it. He's and, just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's us. And they've they've seen June use her sure shoe, mm-hmm. uh, which I've got to shout out Netflix for your awful <laughs> captions. You're going so extra. It is not spelled X I E. R-X-U. <laughs> <laughs> that is so unnecessarily complicated. Shershu is spelled S-H-I-R-S-H-U. Shershu. Like, there it is. All Anyways. <laughs> Sorry, it bothers me every time Apparently. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, a Shershu is a mix of an anteater, a wolf, and a star-nosed badger. Too many it's, things. It's, it's very... Strange. Very strange. And its use is in tracking things by scent. It literally sees scent. We see through its eyes. And that's really cool. But it's also really terrifying because Zuko still has a Katara's necklace and is using it to track her. June has given him this option to more easily track the Avatar. So they all climb on the the Shershu and they go in pursuit of Katara and the gang. And everywhere they've been in the past six episodes. Yeah, we we mentioned we get those highlights from the last few Really, the only thing that happens is, aside from going to those hit points, is they finally come across Sokka and Katara, separated from Aang at this point, although mm-hmm. they're on their way back to find Aang. And he's like, where's Avatar? So, oh, we left him. He's long gone. Zuko says, what do you think? I am stupid. And Sokka yeah. says, yeah, pretty stupid. And <laughs> they, they run. And, of course, they're captured pretty quickly because the Shershu also has a tongue that paralyzes people. Is that what it does? Because yeah. it's not terrifying enough. Yeah, it's a paralyzing toxin. I was going to say, okay, Appa is giant. Yeah. And he was just getting, like, these little, like, pew whips against with that tongue. And he was, like, falling to the ground. And I was really confused. Yeah. By the way, I, I have read the first Kyoshi book now since the last episode we recorded. It was really, really good. But there's some sure shoes in there as well. And they're actually even more terrifying than in the show. Oh, because cool, cool. It's, not, it's not on Nickelodeon. No. So they can be a little bit more adult in these books. Awesome. And they are. Oh my God. Glad they pretty chose great. to yeah. evolve that portion. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, they find them. And they come back to the monastery where Bato was sort of camping out while waiting for the message from Hakoda. And there's this really awesome action scene. We haven't gotten an action scene like that probably since the Blue Spirit. Yeah. True. true. Were there any specific favorite moments from that battle? Uh, The well. The well was the one I wrote down because I yeah. love how Aang was like dodging here. He was there. literally just trying to get the, get the necklace and that was it. And so he was literally like all over the place, not even really attacking Zuko, but it was just like dancing around everything. Again, the airbender traditional evasion of everything mm-hmm. while Zuko was just full on attack. It has right. to be super frustrating for Zuko seeing as he... <laughs> is mastered and studied and probably has the natural ability for firebending as well, obviously, but Mm -hmm. to just be outdone by this little boy who just views it almost like a game, I I would be pissed. That would just unnerve me. Something I think would be fun to sort of keep track of 
that I hadn't really occurred to me is if Zuko gets more adept at fighting Aang over time. We'll have to keep track of that. Because the point was made back in... No, it was in episode two when they first captured Aang. And Aang says, I bet you've never fought an airbender before. I bet I I could beat you all with my hands tied behind my back. And he does because they have no idea how to deal with an airbender (laughs) because they've been gone for a long time. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see like all these interactions that Zuko is having with Aang and learning his fighting style and learning his tendency to evade if that changes how Zuko approaches those situations. That's a cool thought. Yeah. Well, I to... think so. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember really hard the, the fight sequences now. He's starting to go wherever Aang is landing instead of straight for the chest, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of, you know, we've seen firebending across multiple forms including zuko and a lot of it is obviously very aggressive very offensive and then very like dead on target Mm -hmm. and so if you're aiming for someone's core that you're expecting them to stay there Mm -hmm. during the attack but obviously an airbender and their mastery of an invasiveness is obviously going to be moving constantly Mm -hmm. and so there are a lot more sweeping attacks and things like that that cover a larger area and are lower to the ground toward where he would be landing or his feet because you can see in the well a lot of the things he's he's dodging are they're dancing around each other because of how many blows are actually going Mm -hmm. to where their feet are yeah and i don't remember that being a thing earlier on it's typically them trying to hit dead on and obviously Aang can dodge that because right. he does not going to be there by the time the attack actually reaches him. Yeah. And Aang does take Zuko down with some, I guess it would be water bending because after mm-hmm. he, he's, he manages to slip away Katara's necklace from Zuko's grasp, he dives into the well and Zuko sort of stands above him like, haha, I've captured you. Where are you going to go? And he launches water up into the air <laughs> and he does this really awesome pose for like five seconds while rain falls all around him. He's like superhero yeah, pose. And then Zuko pose. falls in the background and it's yes. really fantastic. Yes. Other highlights from the fight, I think, are we already mentioned Appa. Appa, Appa is so awesome in this and the way he tangles with the shirt shoe. Mm-hmm. He comes barreling out of nowhere and just slams it just into like the wall. Side. It's pretty great. <laughs> but then we also see the, the ultimate victor here is again Sokka. We see how wonderfully tactically minded Sokka actually is because he is able to come up with a plan once they get the smelling salts or whatever and they're not paralyzed anymore. He says, okay, I've got a plan. Let's make it to where this this Shershu thing can't see by overwhelming his senses. And I got to feel a little bit bad for the monastery, for the nuns, because it seems like the perfume is their thing and perfume is made with alcohol. And so it's probably been fermenting in those jars for a long time. And I don't know if it was for profit, like to provide for the monastery. I don't know what their ultimate goal for this stuff was, but it's dumped everywhere. And I mean, it's effective, but at what cost? They didn't seem cost. too They're upset like, oh, yeah, about it. Yeah, this. they were pretty eager. Maybe they got a lot in storage or something. Yeah, and this is just the That's the batch. new batch that hadn't fermented just yet. <laughs> all I could think about was just like, God, that ha- that place has to smell mm-hmm. horrendous yeah. with all of those different <laughs> scents going on at the same time. Uh, Uncle Iroh was pretty satisfied with that. He found Uncle Iroh, the little thief, <laughs> little pickpocket. Yeah, finding the little little bottle. Oh my God. And he likes the way it smells. Like, hmm, so, uh, I'm just going to tuck this in my sleeve. Yeah, why not? Again, mysteriously disappears into clothing. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> They've got just like pockets lining their sleeves or something. Anyways, so that's the way this ends. The Shershu is overwhelmed and tags both Zuko and June with its paralyzing toxin. And uh, 
uncle happily catches June as she falls uh, to the ground and just enjoys the time. Basking. <laughs> yeah, basking in the, the moment. <laughs> I love how Zuko is like, Uncle, I didn't see you get hit with the tongue. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> and June's eyes just open. <laughs> Anyways, is there anything else it's from this funny. episode? I think we've pretty exhaustively covered it. Yeah. I, I'm actually really happy with our discussion. I think uh, yeah. it was a good one. We took a, a lot away from this. I'm double checking. There's anything, um, as I said, as they fly away on Appa, there is no big apology. They just accept that it was a day. They had some emotional exchanges, but ultimately they still know what the goal is and they're on their way. The last thing I'll say before we get on to the next section of the podcast is that June was voiced by an actress named Jennifer Hale, and she will actually voice another character, not a super major character, but I don't want to spoil it because I don't think we've heard from this character yet. So just like Jesse Flowers, who voiced Mang in the Fortune Teller episode last time, who's going to come back and voice a more major character, Jennifer Hale comes back and voices a character other than June. Oh, I guess shout out to Aang being super animal rights. Oh, yeah. Nothing's cozier than dead animal skins. I call him vegan. Yeah. <laughs> Not to say there's anything wrong with being vegan. Well, he actually is one, so. Yeah. Okay, so we do have Melanie's predictions from last time. I think we're going to make some adjustments to this segment that'll just sort of happen organically. It's not going to be so linear. Melanie, what do you think is going to happen next time? Here's the title. Make a vague guess about <laughs> anything like that. But we, we can talk about things mm-hmm. that Melanie did predict about this episode mm-hmm. and how close she was. Because I'm good. I'm good at guessing things but i'm not that good with single word titles jet tell us about what it's all about (laughs) the blue spirit all right it looks like we have just a couple notes here you got that bato was part of the water tribe what up (laughs) talk about low-hanging fruit (laughs) hey it's a win in my book (laughs) we did think that bato was from the northern water tribe i mean Mm -hmm. I, i just feel like they should really make more progress it's making my you anxiety. Be, you want to be that much closer to the North Pole. Right? I, it's making my anxiety go through the roof. I just right. know they have a timeline and how my brain is working is like they are so behind on right. their deadline. Yeah, he's like, he knows one and a half elements. I mean, six months, y'all. That's not a long time. Mm, that's not a long time at all. We do have that he's an old friend. Boom. But we also had an old friend that was a love interest slash betrothed to Katara. I had to remember how old Katara is, like, half the time that I make these. Okay, I mean, I was like, it's not that (laughs) an obscene of an idea that that could happen. True. I also had to remember that, yes, she is only 14. And Bato is a thousand. A thousand. (laughs) Why is it okay for June and Uncle Iroh? (laughs) And not for Bato and Katara. There's nothing betrothal there. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have war update, which means that we actually get some information about what's going on in the war. And we do, for the most part, because Bato is obviously was part of a battle and Mm -hmm. lets them know what's going on and that they've pushed forward. The loose, most loose, vague connection ever. I just, I wanted to know more of the update from the the fire track or the fire Fire nation. Nation. You're getting better. Early episodes, you said Fire Tribe all the time. All the time. <laughs> and now you're saying Fire Nation. Good job. What? What? That's growth. Sokka's not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so, so that's going to transition into the next episode. And speaking of war, the next episode is called The Deserter. So that's a term that is pretty specifically used for soldiers, I think. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. So, 
do you have any just vague thoughts about like, like people who love dessert? Who, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this deserter, who do you think he deserted? Hmm. Uh, could we? Well, no. Because we just talked about Sokka's growth, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, could Sokka feel like his dad was a deserter? But no, we just talked about all of that and how that's not a thing. So, hmm. I don't know. I want to say the Fire Nation again, guys. I want it. I want it. Let's say Fire Nation. Okay, well, let's talk about the, the significance of that real quick before we move on. I don't want to linger too long on it. But if there was a deserter of the Fire Nation, what relevance might that have to our party Iroh. was it Iroh? don't look at me look at me so you think it's a you think it's a past tense deserter? yeah i think it was a past tense deserter okay. and i think it might be uncle Iroh. okay the war has been going on for a minute so there could have been lots of deserters yeah i mean we knew we know that uncle Iroh was a general and he and had like he, he was failed there. in the siege of Bossing Say. I believe we've heard that information mm-hmm. at this point. So uh, twice, yeah. And now he's not in the war effort. He's zooming around the yeah. world with his nephew, babysitting a uh, little little Zuko, hitting on bounty hunters, <laughs> <laughs> living his best life, <laughs> stealing <Yes>. perfume, <laughs> stealing perfume. So, what do you guys think? What what makes you excited for this next episode as being as vague as possible? Well, I've already watched it Mm -hmm. and I, I really like this episode and I think it progresses the story in a really strong way. Progression is good. (laughs) Melanie's eyes just lit up everybody. Like she's like, we're actually making progress. (laughs) Oh my God. God, There's something we can check off the list. (laughs) Are we actually going to learn water bending? (laughs) So I, I don't want to get too specific because we don't want to spoil things, but uh, it, we've got a really good episode coming up next. Not that, I mean, obviously this is a really good episode too. And honestly, we could say that at the end of every single episode. So I'm excited to keep talking about more really good episodes of this show. But for now, that's the end of this one. That was the end of the official 14th episode of Crossroads of Destiny. Contact for the show. Facebook.com slash XRoadsPod. XRoadsPod on Twitter is better because I like Twitter more, even though it's a cesspool. <laughs> go over to apple podcast we would love to get some ratings and reviews and for you to hit that subscribe button the more that you interact with the podcast on apple podcast the more of an audience we reach and uh, we'd love for you to share the show with other people we're we're hoping that we're providing valuable discussion to you and that you're enjoying the show and we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear feedback we'd love to hear ideas to our email address if you need something a little bit more long form xroadspot at gmail.com and of course we still have our voicemail line which we would love to hear from you on that as well and we could play you on the show potentially 3145 yip yip that is 314-594-7947 give us a call leave a voicemail remember you're not going to talk to me on the phone you're going to leave a voicemail (laughs) and then we will put it on the show and respond so uh try and keep it short and simple give us something interesting to talk about or give us a theory or something give us anything we'd love to hear from you so melanie where can people find you online they can find me on Melanie Amanda 44 on Instagram. Okay. And Andrew doesn't really use social media. No, not really. No. no. So, no, um, not my thing. So, so if you it, see an update from him, know that that is spam. <laughs> <laughs> he he occas- occasionally posts pictures of like the kids, I think. That was no. actually James. Oh, that was James. That was yeah. James. Wow. That, that was, was our two and a half year old. Okay. More tech savvy, more, <laughs> more social media yeah. savvy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
than his 100%. father. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> that surprised me even a little bit. The bar is very low. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so if you want to get in contact with Andrew, just get in contact with me or with Melanie and we'll pass it on. The voicemail is a great way to get in contact with Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. So leave us voicemails. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Chadadada. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. You can find my other show, The Cinescope Podcast, at Cinescope Pod on Twitter or thecinescopepodcast.com. And my other, An American Workplace, uh, which is at Workplace Pod and workplacepodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at our website, xroadspod.com. That's all for this episode. Thank you once again for listening. Talk to you in episode 15 when we talk about book one, chapter 16, the deserter. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.